Welcome back to Home Design Chat with Nancy. We're all about your home, your kitchens, bathrooms, tile appliances, and more. You name it, we chat about it. Well, today is December 2nd. Um, We're almost at Christmas. Hopefully, um, we're going to really enjoy 2021, and I can't wait till 2020 is done, and I'm sure everybody else is in agreement with me, but here we go. Today, we're going to talk to Jan Rutgers. She's our special guest, and she's been designing kitchens and products for over 25 years, and she's the recipient of Kitchen and Bath Design News Top Innovators for 2020 for the kitchen and bath industry. We're so proud of her. By the way, if you have been listening to my podcast, Jan is my kitchen professor. She has designed more than 1,000 kitchens, learning valuable skills with each one. And her experience in kitchen design, millwork manufacturing, and product development has led her to create Vestibule School of Design, where she educates and mentors people passionate about kitchen design industry. Jan, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. My pleasure, Nancy. Thanks for having me. Hey, you'll be back. I know you will in 2021. <laughs> well, I hope so. You know, the, uh, the kitchen industry is uh, such a, um, a big industry and there's so much to learn and, and so much to share that, um, yeah, I, I really enjoy our uh, chats and um, hopefully we continue all the way through 2021 as well. Oh, that would be good. And I think people who've listened to our podcasts uh, have learned so much. Um, I do get emails about them, so they're all excited. I'm excited about today because we're going to talk about the unfitted kitchen, which I was not familiar with that phrase. Um, And I know you are. So do you want to tell me a little bit about the unfitted kitchen? Absolutely. The the unfitted kitchen, um, you know, really is the beginning of the original kitchen. Um, and it started over 200 years ago with the with the cooking hearth. And, um, you know, as you know, as we evolved, uh, you know, cooking became something that was in the house and uh, people needed to start storing items. So they started bringing in tables and shelves and hooks and baskets um, near that cooking hearth. Like think about that, the big fireplace that was um, you know, at the end of the room. And that was what we started, we be, we look at it now as the unfitted kitchen. And um, if you were to look at definitions of it, a true unfitted kitchen is one where everything is freestanding. It's furnished with individual items that are for specific tasks, and items can be brought in, moved around and arranged for the different tasks and at different times of the year. And I, I always um, think about, you know, the, this one area or this one task that happened a lot in the, in the homesteading kitchen was uh, the canning and preserving during the um, late summer, early fall harvest. And that was when they would bring in the big harvest table. And we, I think we all are familiar with the harvest table. And um, that was kind of the beginning of the kitchen. And we've called it an unfitted kitchen. You know, I I love histories of um, kitchens, how they evolved. And to me, it's almost like um, the honeymooners had an unfitted kitchen. Other than the sink not being able to be moved around, when I was growing up, I guess we had one too because nothing was built in except the sink. So you could actually, if you had the energy, you could move things around if you had the space. Very interesting. Uh, so... Here we are um, in the 1920s, I do, 
both of us have done some research. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to this podcast, I do, we we have done research on this. We're not just naturally smart, right, Jan? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, it, it, so it, I I think what we um, when you study kitchen design, and both of us, um, you know, having designed kitchens for many, many years, you know, always make sense for us to look at the history. The the modern kitchen that we think of right now, or or sometimes what's called the fitted kitchen, really only started to evolve, you know, in the 1920s, 1930s, 1940s, and that was when we, the Kitchens actually started getting smaller. If if you think about it, the original, you know, big farmhouse, it was a big open space. So they were these large, these large spaces for our kitchens. But as we started building, building more homes in North America, they were smaller. So the unfitted kitchen wasn't really working because there wasn't enough room to move around. So people started building fitted kitchens where they started um, attaching things to the wall and making things more, more permanent. And it really came to do with, it really had to do with space. And also you mentioned about, about the sink. That's when we started getting indoor plumbing and that wasn't something you could move around. So um, it was the beginning of making it stay in one place. Yeah. Well, you know, if you look at the original unfitted kitchen, they did everything in that big room. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they even slept in it, but that's where they were eating. Well, I guess somebody had the bright idea. Let's then do a separate dining room and a separate kitchen. Hence, we ended up with that smaller kitchen. Look where today, maybe I'm skipping on our notes, but today we're getting rid of that wall that divides the dining room and the kitchen. And we're now getting back to that big kitchen where everybody can enjoy um, the company of the cook or they can just jump in and prepare the meals as a group. So uh, you know what they say, what's um, old is new again. Yeah, right? I, yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, when I think back to, to my, my childhood, um, you know, as I think you've mentioned before, Nancy, I live in Canada and um, I'm on the West Coast, but um, my mother's family was from the East Coast in a, a province called Prince Edward Island, which is a, you know, a small province um, island on the East Coast of um, North America. And uh, I remember as a young, young child, you know, going to the family um, homestead farmhouse that you know had been there for generations, and that's th- those are my vivid memories of being in that big kind of great room, you know, kitchen. There was um, there was a big couch in there, um, a big harvest table, kind of the wood burning coal stove on one side, a, a sink area. And it's funny because you know I was only there; I would but it would have been like five six years old. But that's my most vivid memories of spending all of my time in that house, in that unfitted kitchen space. And um, when you think about it, that's what kind of brings back that family warmth and togetherness. And um, it's, you know, it's really interesting for us to be talking about it now, because it does make sense that we're going back to that feel. Yeah, yeah. I, I got to say one thing. As a child, too, I remember all the kitchens of my relatives. I think we had kitchen design <laughs> in our blood as we were, you know, five, six years old. Why would I remember all that? But uh, I was impressed with uh, all the different kinds of kitchens that the relatives had. And 
my grandmother had one of those kitchens where she didn't have a living room. And so everybody congregated in the kitchen and she had the old coal stove and a sink and God knows where she put all of her dishes. Um, not one of them matched by the way. Right. <laughs> so, um, but I remember that and that encourages togetherness. I mean, you had no place else to go. You had to sit in the kitchen. This and of course, true. when she was making something, everybody jumped in to roll the dough or obviously my background is Italian. So she was always making homemade pasta and everything else. So um, that's a good thing. And now we're back to it. Yeah, well, yeah, so I think, what, I, uh, I think what is, what's yeah. happened is, is our homes, you know, you look at statistics and the North American home, um, new home built, um, the home is getting larger and larger and larger all the time. And um, there is a big focus on the kitchen. And, um, you know, I've even watched in my, you know, 25 plus year career, kitchens getting bigger and bigger and bigger all the time. So sometimes um, as a designer, you know, we start looking, looking at um, the spaces that we're working with. And these bigger, big kitchens, it almost started, it's starting to feel um, that we, we needed to, to change things up. Putting in massive um, walls of built-in cabinetry can actually kind of be, be quite boring. So I think that's why mm-hmm. as, as an industry, we're starting to look um, for ways to, to mix it up. And uh, you and I have talked about this before, looking to the past, seeing what had been done and how, how we can um, change that to work better you know, in the now or in the future you know, is a good way to, to design. And I, that's why I think we're starting to hear, or that's not think, I know that's why we're starting to uh, see more talk within the kitchen industry about this unfitted kitchen and the whole concept behind it. Well, should we also give accolades to Johnny Gray? Absolutely. Um, Johnny Gray is a um, UK um, kitchen designer, and I would I would have to say he's probably the most famous uh, designer for employing the modern unfitted kitchen. I've been fortunate enough to sit down with him a couple of times and share a glass of wine or two and uh, talk kitchen philosophy. And um, you know he's just amazing. And his you know his philosophy on on kitchen design is to uh, to really look at the tasks and how we're using the kitchen and design the cabinetry to um, to work with with the family and the tasks so uh, he's written quite a few books I, I, I have them all most of them autographed um, and you know if someone is really interested on this subject I would highly recommend picking up you know some of his um, some of his design books Oh, good. So we'll just mention his name again. It's Johnny, J-O-H-N-N-Y, G-R-E-Y, right? A couple of his books that I do have, my favorites are The Art of Kitchen Design, Kitchen Culture, and The Hardworking House. Those are both excellent um, resources. Oh, good. Well, maybe one of these days he can be on my podcast. That would be Johnny, great. Johnny, if you're listening. <laughs> so we're going to uh, take the elements of the kitchen one at a time. Let's start with the kitchen island um, because, well, I love kitchens with islands. Matter of fact, if if I can fit an island in a kitchen any way possible, I do. So um, we and, – and I do love the idea of having a table height kitchen – Island, which mm-hmm. I have in my house, because I have sev- several times mentioned that I am um, petite, and so having a thirty-inch high island 
works for me. But when you think about it, it's the same height as the kitchen table that years ago people used to have in the middle of their kitchen. That's so, that's so right. And what, um, when I'm having a lot of conversations or I do have a lot of conversations with um, other, you know, kitchen design professionals and um, a question that I've been asked quite a bit is, um, you know, how, how can uh, they introduce unfitted um, elements into their, into their kitchens? And one of the things that I tell them, well, in a lot of cases you already are. And just like you mentioned, Nancy, the kitchen island is really has its roots in the unfitted kitchen. And as I mentioned earlier, it is an evolution of the harvest table that was brought into the middle of the space. And uh, it has evolved into into our um, modern or contemporary kitchen island. What I've really been noticing in kitchen design in the last uh, few years is a little bit of almost an evolution of our modern island. And I think that really comes down to the... the modern modern farmhouse look that's so popular that mm-hmm. that, that right. our kitchen, you know, if you think about it, we'd gone from our kitchen islands of being these big boxes in the middle of the room. And now we're starting to see them getting warmed up that um, we're seeing a lot of natural woods with them. We're starting to see turned posts, um, open shelving that um, when you, when you start to, to look at the evolution of the Island, and if you were to plot kind of the harvest table, you know, into the, you know, the modern, the modern Island into what we're seeing now, there's um, it's a really nice hybrid. I'm really, I'm really loving the look. Oh, me too. Now, there are people who really need working islands, but they still are very interesting. I'm doing one now with the uh, with a sink and a cooktop because the person who cooks in the home likes to have people sitting at the island. He likes the conversation. So the island is an integral part of this kitchen, but it doesn't have to be a box. It's got a lot of personality to it. And also, it will be a different finish than the cabinets that are behind him mm-hmm. so there we don't have to have the same wood throughout a large kitchen and that's one of the ways that we can break up the look yeah and that and right. i think that gives it um you know we're talking about the, the kitchen having a more unfitted look but i also think that our kitchens need to be designed the same way that that we would design our living space um, you know, most people don't go, you know, out to the furniture store and pick, you know, every, every uh, chair and every sofa and the exact same finish and the exact, the exact same um, materials and look, we're mixing it up. And um, the same's happening with our kitchen. And, and if you look back to unfitted, ki- unfitted kitchens, you can really get inspired on how to, you know, how to do that. And, um, you know, hiring a professional designer that understands all the elements and principles of design can really help you put that look together. But um, yeah, definitely the islands. Yeah. We love them. Um, I rarely design a kitchen without them. Uh, yes, I agree. And I maybe I've designed two or three kitchens without an island. But to me, the island has been the best invention since sliced bread. Yes. I mean, I've always <laughs> said that. Matter of fact... Um, I'm talking 25 plus years ago, I walked into a kitchen and it had a peninsula. And I said, you know, you can get rid of the peninsula, we can put an island. And she was so hesitant to do that because 25 years ago, really the island wasn't that common. Mm -hmm. And so I actually had to get cardboard boxes and put them 
in the middle of her kitchen so she can get used to walking around an island and seeing the advantages of it. Now, of course, uh, everybody wants an island. I've even had requests for people that I have to say, I'm sorry, you don't have any space for an island. You know, you can just do maybe an 18-inch narrow island if you're lacking the space. But I love islands. They are the personality of the kitchen, practically. Yeah, that's true. And something- So now we have- yeah. yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Nancy. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I was going to go on to the next uh, yeah. element, but mm-hmm. go ahead. Well, the only other thing I was going to just jump in on islands is that, you know, it's, it's, it's true that not every kitchen is, is really big and has room for a, a large permanent island. But um, I, I have employed um, movable islands on casters in some of my kitchen designs. And that's, you know, another, another way to, to be able to bring that element in and, um, you know, have, um, you know, and that truly is unfitted because you can move it around to where you're going to need it. Right. You know, I did a large, very large kitchen uh, two years ago and it had an island, huge island, but we also had, well, years ago they called it a tea cart, but you can have a butcher block top on it, or you can have a hard surface top Yes, and you have casters. Be sure that they're locking casters. You don't want this thing to go sliding all over the place. This is true. But also I've uh, had people use them in the large islands where they can move a lot of groceries if they, well, this particular kitchen had a dumbwaiter. So when the groceries came up from the garage uh, via the dumbwaiter, she would bring that cart there pile up her groceries and then bring it over to her huge walk-in pantry. So there's a lot of uh, ways you can use, depending on the size, use these uh, carts on casters. Yeah, great. Uh, even yeah, great if they're idea. pretty, you can even use them. Yeah. You can even use them to bring the food into the dining room. And they used to do that years ago. And there's some ideas from the past that we are now bringing to today. And so we pick and choose, but, you know, certainly that was a good idea. I've had to use that in several kitchens. Mm -hmm. So on to the next element, Uh, we have the larder cabinets. Now I've never heard that word before. And so I looked it up and it's, um, it's like a piece of furniture, like a pantry. Do you want to explain that? You probably are familiar with that more than I am. Yeah. So, um, you know, as we know, most um, contemporary kitchens have some type of built-in in pantry unit. And um, what the larder is... Uh, is more of a furniture piece. And it was part of the unfitted kitchen. It was one of the elements that ended up coming into, into the kitchen um, you know, many, many years ago, decades ago. And it was a specific unit to, um, to store food. And um, it, I, I, when I look back at, at, at these designs, some of them were absolutely fantastic. They had, you know, they had um, shelves on, it would be a big tall unit and the doors would open and there'd be shelves on the doors for small items. And there would be, um, you know, big deep drawers down below. And they, they were beautiful as furniture pieces. So they, they really were the beginning of what we think of as a um, standard pantry cabinet that, um, you know, every kitchen designer is familiar with. And it, um, 
I find that when I do a lot of research, I look to Europe quite a bit, and uh, and there's some beautiful um, larder cabinets being designed um, even today um, out of uh, the European designers. But it it really is like an antique furniture piece that is used to store food and they work beautifully in modern kitchens you know as a fa- as a great focal point hmm. well i want to bring up the hoosier which sounds a little bit like the larder mm-hmm. um, they called it that because it started in indiana and everybody knows if you're from indiana you're a hoosier mm-hmm. uh, so those cabinets sound similar to the larder, uh, but they had some working pieces in them. Maybe they had the funnel for the flour um, or some quasi-appliances. Uh, so I think they're similar, though. You can yeah, take a they, Hoosier yeah, definitely and are. it's a freestanding piece. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think I would um, – I would think of of uh, that particular cabinet as um, as a very multifunctional unit. It was um, specifically designed as a food prep station, so it housed all of the um, you know all of the foodstuffs ne- mostly needed for you know baking and doing prep. But it also was a workstation, and you know they they become very very sought after um, when I'm online doing research or you know just um, you know looking around. I've I've come across some great uh, YouTube videos or, or articles on people looking um, or, or people putting those cabinets in their contemporary kitchens and how they actually, uh, you know, are ideal. You can take a, no, you, you're going to make sure I get the pronunciation right, Nancy, but you can take a Hoosier, Hoosier, <laughs> Hoosier cabinet. That's okay. Um, we'll work on that, Jan. <laughs> exactly. This accent. But, um, you know, have it um, at the end of a run and, uh, you know, you want to, uh, you know, bake up some bread or make some cookies. You just open up yeah. the doors, the counter pulls out. All your supplies are right there within reach. That's probably one of the best ergonomically designed pieces of kitchen furniture um, ever. Yeah, I, I like it, especially in a modern farmhouse kitchen. Mm-hmm. You can't go wrong with having this um, almost as your focal point. And, and don't forget, it doesn't have to match the rest of the cabinets in finish. It could be painted or it could be a wood tone. That, yeah, that's a very key point. So now we move point. on to the mm-hmm. hutch cabinets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hutch cabinets, um, I guess we could sit well, you know, the hutch as we know it was always part of the dining room. Correct. And it held a lot of the dishes and glasses. And if you move that into the kitchen, there's no reason why you can't put a lot of your kitchen stuff in there, whether it's uh, the mixing bowls or the, the uh, serving pieces that you're going to use. It's a storage unit. Yes. Right? And I think, yeah, I think that with um, our homes becoming more of a great room concept, a complete open concept where we've got the kitchen, the dining and the living area, all is one space. It is more of an, <clears throat> excuse me, of the informal uh, living area. And um, those formal china cabinets that were in the formal dining room are moving into these great room areas. And they are, they're, they're wonderful uh, storage 
cabinets. And just like you said, they don't have to be just for the china in the crystal. You may have a, you know, you could have a beautiful pottery collection or, um, you know, just all your everyday dishes can go in there. But they're a, a great unit to um, bring into that space. And, um, you know, a lot of uh, families have have these cabinets and maybe with a fresh coat of paint and um, uh, rearranging them into into maybe the eating area of the great room or, or placing them in the eating area of the great room, they can be a fabulous addition to um, any space and it, they are reminiscent of a unfitted kitchen. I had a client that had a base cabinet that she had made. It was a two 36-inch banks of drawers separated by a wine storage right in between. And then Mm -hmm. she had a countertop on there. Well, she had wanted a hutch type thing and she had a great room. So she had the kitchen on one end and the family room on the other. And right in between sort of was this thing against the wall. So what I did was take the countertop off, changed it because she had a very busy granite. So we changed the look of that. I also designed an upper piece to sit on the countertop so that it would look like a hutch. Uh, There were open shelves. There was some glass um, on doors. And then I had the whole thing painted this red, (laughs) and it was uh, with black glaze. We put um, crystal hardware on it. Wow. And it was the same red that matched her bar stools. Yeah. So and I, oh, I bet you it was a fabulous focal point. Yeah, that'd be beautiful. It was fantastic. One of my favorite parts. And so it kind of, it, it was a focal point, but it tied in the red um, um, stools with the island. And it stored a lot of her china, a lot of her tchotchkes, her serving pieces. But it also made that base cabinet turn into something that was really interesting. So um, I always recommend that they do hutches or do something to store um, maybe their breakfast dishes or their placemats or put it in the eating area of the kitchen. So depending on the size that you have, so that you want to set the table for breakfast, you don't have to go walking all over the kitchen. You've got everything you need there. So they always come in handy and interesting. You have to, when you do a kitchen, you have to have focal points. You have to have interest, something that's going to draw the eye, that's going to set your kitchen apart from everybody else on the block, right? Yeah, absolutely. And there's something um, that I've suggested to, you know, a lot of designers and my my own clients is that, um, you know, that we spend a day or the designer spends a day um, just going to all the antique shops in their area, because they mm-hmm. are um, the perfect place sometimes to find that that hutch piece. And uh, as much as I absolutely love built-in cabinetry and, you know, have been a kitchen designer for 25 years and made my living for a long time selling cabinetry, I have found that these antique furniture pieces are kind of the deal of the century. You know, you can find a beautiful hutch cabinet and, um, you know, make it your own by having it painted or finished. And it can be a fraction of of the price of, of designing something something from scratch. And if you really look like some of them have these beautiful, you know, details of the leaded glass or, um, you know, really interesting crown moldings or, or 
bun feet or, you know, all these different details that really make them special. And um, they, they can, they can be very, very functional and a fabulous focal point in the room. Mm-hmm. Also, Jan, I know that, and I am a fan of contemporary uh, lifestyles, but every once in a while, somebody will inherit a piece of furniture, an antique piece from their grandmother or their mother, and maybe they think it's not going to fit into the decor of their house. Mm-hmm. But if they look at it, not as, oh, yeah, I inherited this, but more like, hey, this is an antique, but also mm-hmm. they can just change it a little bit and utilize it in the kitchen, the eating area, the family room, whatever. So don't always poo-poo the idea that, oh, I just inherited this. Grab it. Don't give it away. Yeah, you're so (laughs) right. (laughs) That's my uh, hint of the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So we're noticing, you know, this is the year, I'd say 2020, maybe started 2019. There's so many different things that we can do in a kitchen. Uh, I say 10, 15 years ago, the kitchen was a kitchen. There Mm -hmm. wasn't a lot of change from one kitchen to the other. Well, now, you know, the invention of, not the invention, but the the change in design, uh, the idea that you can do anything you want. It's your house. It's your kitchen. And here we have floating shelves. And people have said, is that in? Should I do it? You know, it's totally up to the person who owns the kitchen, whether you mm-hmm. want floating shelves. I like the look, but I don't like the idea of having to dust every time I take an item that I'm going to use. So I would say don't overdo the floating shelves and don't put things on there that you're going to use to prep because then you have to wash it first. Put the pretty stuff on there. What do you yeah. think, Jan? Well, yeah, I said, you know, I I have to chuckle about floating shelves because, um, you know, when I'm talking with young designers, um, that you'll will have elements like this, and the floating shelves are a really good example that they'll think, oh, you know, this is kind of brand new. This is is the most modern contemporary thing that can be done. But actually, the floating shelf was probably the first item that was ever brought into a kitchen 200 years ago. You know, because it that's uh, that was what was available. And if you look, if you study kitchen design or you research it over the years, you know, the floating shelf has come in and out of vogue over many, many years. And, um, yeah. you know, a place that you're probably familiar with living, living in, in Phoenix um, is uh, Taliesin West by um, Frank Lloyd Wright. I, I was... Um, I was fortunate enough to come down and, and get a behind the scenes tour there a few years ago. And what struck me was when we were, I was on some of the houses on the compound, so to speak, and I'm looking at their kitchens, they all had floating shelves in them. And these homes were built like in the 1940s. So it was, it's interesting yeah. when, um, you know, when I, you know, again, talk with young designers and, and they're really excited about the floating shelf thinking it's the newest, the greatest thing. It has been around for a long, long time. And it, I do believe it, is a, a way to break up that large expanse of built-in cabinetry that we're seeing in in large contemporary kitchens. But I g- agree with you that um, don't overdo it. And it's and it's true that um, you don't want to have to clean every item that you um, pull off the shelves to be able to utilize it in in um, your kitchen work. But um, but it is nice uh, for display. I think. I think a lot of us have um, some wonderful items that they may want to display. 
myself. I collect pottery uh, from from artists, and um, I you know, have an expansive collection, and it is something that I do. Um, display in my kitchen, but it's true. Every time I pull it down to use it, you you got to dust it off or uh, you know wash it up yeah. a bit. But you know they're you know yeah. they're the, the other thing is yeah the other thing is if they're going to think about floating shelves and utilizing the space, think about reaching over your counter and trying to bring them down. That would not be happening in my kitchen because I can't reach anything. Right. So. <laughs> If you're if you're not tall enough to reach it, you certainly don't want to be getting your kids or your husband or getting on the stool every time you want to get something. So that's where we say your kitchen should be functional. You can have some floating shelves and put the pretty stuff on there with the idea that you're not going to ever reach that unless you get on a stool to dust. This so is true. That's, that's all I got to say about those yeah, floating yeah. shelves. <laughs> yeah, no, and um, you know, and that's what. Getting- that's what's so wonderful about kitchen design is we're all individuals and um, um, the best thing that a designer can do for their client is listen. And, uh, you know, we've talked about this um, before, you know, there's, there's probably eight, nine inches difference in height between you and I, and yeah, I'm fine, you know, with reaching up onto something uh, taller, but um, that's why I would design my kitchen differently than I would design your kitchen. So, um, you know, we're at a wonderful time in kitchen design where we can look at unfitted, we can look at fitted, we can look at so many things and we've got so many uh, options in front of us. It's a, it's, it's a, it's an exciting time to be designing kitchens. Yeah. Now on that note, we're kind of going over our time because I know that you have to get somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to just quickly talk about the appliances. Now, if uh, people are listening and they're getting the idea that, Hey, I would like an unfitted kitchen um, or maybe combine an unfitted kitchen with a lot of built-ins, you're probably saying, well, what do I do with the appliances? And there are certain things that you can do. Um, the refrigerators actually can be made to look like a big armoire, which I love. And I'm actually uh, working on a kitchen where we're going to do that look. Uh, the other thing is I had done a Hoosier design in a real old kitchen and I put the microwave behind one of the doors and I had a flipper door. So when they use the microwave, they would just flip open the door and use the microwave. Unfortunately, you can't do anything about the ovens or the steam ovens because they are what they are. Uh, and the dishwashers, the warming drawers, they can also be covered with door panels, but do you agree with what I'm saying, Jan? There's certain things you can do to camouflage your appliances so they look like the unfitted kitchen. Yeah, very true. And I I think the one appliance that really can take center stage in an unfitted kitchen is the custom hood. Because here, you know, here's an area where you can purchase a, um, you know, the just the interior, or we call it a control housing or the or the guts or the motor and and design something that is absolutely spectacular to to go around it. And, um, you know, the other things that I've done over the years is um, I've designed a lot of um, 
cooking hearths with a um, with a custom control housing for the ventilation and this is where the, the um, you have the cooking zone that might have uh, like a large range and then there is cabinetry that comes down to the countertop on either side and surrounds it and normally we would you know do some pullouts for condiments etc but I think for the appliances exactly what you're saying there's a lot of of um, pieces like the refrigerator and the dishwashers and the warming drawers that can be paneled to um, you know to get a specific look but definitely look at um, the hood as a focal point that um, that you can customize uh, to your own tastes so I would say in summary that we agree that there is a place for the fitted kitchen and or a combination of the I mean the unfitted kitchen and a combination of fitted and unfitted um, if you're not sure about how to accomplish that, Jan and I would both suggest that you use a kitchen designer. You don't want to make any mistakes, especially uh, these happen to cost. Redoing your kitchen is not an inexpensive project, so they're, they're pricey. You don't want to make any mistakes. And so by utilizing a professional that can help you and you communicating with that professional, you're going to end up with a very beautiful, functional, useful kitchen that you'll be happy with for years, right? I couldn't have said it better. And, you, and you're so right that the, the kitchen is the most expensive room in the home to, um, to renovate or to, to build in new construction. Getting advice, uh, getting a guide, you know, through that process is money well spent. And, you know, definitely as you start um, doing things like integrating these furniture pieces and uh, really individualizing the space, you know, just again, just to get some guidance is really, really going to help and will pay off in the long run. Right. Hey, Jan, I want to thank you for again doing this podcast with me. I've learned a lot. I'm sure the people listening have learned a ton and you are, you are my uh, kitchen professor. So we're going to do this again in probably sometime in 2021, but in the meantime, have a happy holiday, Jan. And I want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you, Jan. Uh, This podcast was being brought to you by Premier Lighting. Premier Lighting has a showroom in Scottsdale, Arizona, so if you don't live in Scottsdale, you can go on their website, shoppremier.com. I use their lighting consultants on many of my projects, and they're very willing to help you. You can get their phone number on their website, and uh, they have the latest and greatest fixtures if you're lucky to go into their showroom. The importance of lighting in a kitchen is, is just the ultimate And Jan and I will probably be talking about that one of these uh, days. But in the meantime, if you've enjoyed today's show, be sure to subscribe, rate, comment on the platform that you're using to listen to these podcasts. And don't forget to share them. Uh, If you've listened to this podcast, you don't want to keep it a secret. You want to share it with your friends. Uh, We are just a plethora of information. If you want to learn more about me, you can go to nancyhugo.com. And if you have any questions for me or for Jan, don't hesitate to email me at nancy at nancyhugo.com. Stay safe and have a great day. Thank you. Bye.